outreach programs, and uh, these ladies are women of God. They've got something burning in their heart for you today. They're going to be speaking on things that they've learned from their mums, and they're going to bring some scriptural revelation of what that means for them. And I'm telling you, there's going to be something for you today. We're so blessed to have them with us. We're going to kick off with Jade. Can you please put your hands together? Welcome, Pastor Jade, as she comes this morning. Woo! Go, Jade. Oh, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you all here this morning. So if you know my mum and I, you know that we look pretty similar. It's pretty easy to tell that we're related. Here is a picture of her and I. Um, it's pretty easy to tell who I, look, I take after. Sorry, Dad. Um, <laughs> but if you, if you can't tell, my mum is on the left and I am on the right. And it, just look how beautiful she is. I guess I, I'm glad that I take after her. No, Dad, you are beautiful too. I'm digging a hole. Um, throughout my whole life, I have had people comment on the fact that we look so similar. One day, my mum and I were shopping, um, just minding our own business, and a lady walks up to us and starts chatting away. So we didn't want to be rude, so we carried on the conversation. Um, and then eventually, she stops and she asks, are you two sisters? Shocked. I looked at her and said, no, she's my mother. I think that my mum was quite complimented, but being a 16-year-old, I was definitely not too amused. This is very common when my mum and I are together. We even still get identified as mother and daughter purely based on our looks here at church when we're serving. People walk through the doors looked at mum, looked at, at me, and looked back at mum and said, you two must be related. Up until a few years ago, I had not realized how much of a blessing it is to be identified as my mother's daughter. I think we all have a desire to reflect someone and be identified as someone's, a desire to be known as someone's without a conversation or an explanation. The first thing I learned from my mum is likeness. I get identified as my mother's child because I am a reflection of her. I am not just a reflection of her physically, but I am a reflection of her character. I am a reflection of her character because I do life with her. Our identity tends to be shaped by those we spend the most time with. For me, one of those people is my mum, hence a similar character. But the most important person in my life has to be Jesus. If I want to be a reflection of his mercy, of his never-ending love, of the depth of his forgiveness, of his endless blessings and provision, I need to do life with him. Galatians 5 verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit of Christ is something we do day to day. When my priorities aren't right, I end up being a living testimony of Jade. And we can all end up being living testimonies of ourselves. So can I ask you this morning, who are you a living testimony of? As Christians, it can be easy to get caught up in the motions of our faith. It can be easy to get caught up in doing the bare minimum so we still feel like we are living right with God. But we are called to do so much more than this. We are, our walk with God is not just limited to one day of the week. When we intentionally seek out Jesus' character, 
We cannot help but have our faith seep into every aspect of our lives. We are called to live an exciting, fruitful life with God, a life that we can only do by doing everything we can to reflect Jesus. Every one of us is called to be a living testimony of God, of Jesus. To be more like Jesus, we have to look at how he lived. How did he treat people? What is his character like? Jesus was a servant. I think Jesus perfectly models what it means to serve others. His whole life was an act of service. We see in Matthew 20 verse 28, as it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, he could have come to earth and gotten people to treat him like the king he is. Instead, he showed them love and appreciation by serving them. How amazing is it that we serve a God that is more interested in serving us than proving his power? The second thing I learned from my mum is the importance of serving others. All my life, my mum has shown me what it looks like to serve others. Growing up in a family of five means that we've been pretty busy for most of our childhood. Yet she managed to come to every one of mine and my brother's sports games. I used to play netball, which meant that she would be standing in the rain every single Saturday on a cold, wet afternoon for the whole of winter. Now, my nose used to run when I was playing netball. Don't ask me why. So what my mum would do is she, she'd have a stack of tissues in her pocket ready for me when I needed them. I would run over to her when I needed them, which was often in the middle of a netball game, blow my nose and hand her back the snotty tissue. And she'd put it right back in her pocket and get ready for the next one. She did this every single game without a doubt or complaint. She is there for me in my snotty, yucky stuff. Did you know that Jesus is there for you in your snotty, yucky stuff? Jesus was compassionate. He showed that he cared deeply for all his people. He did not just care for his disciples and followers. He cared for every single person he came across. Jesus' compassion for people came from a deep love and care for them. Matthew 9, verse 35 to 36 says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' heart broke for every person that was going through hardship. His desire was to see everyone experience and live in God's love. The third thing I learned from my mum is compassion. Nearly every Friday night, my parents and I have a movie night. I may be 21, but I do still really enjoy movie nights with my parents. In just about every movie, my mum ends up crying. I do make fun of her for this, but I think it's actually pretty amazing. My dad and I would often say that she's being too emotional, but it shows her compassion for others even if they are just characters. She gets so invested in characters' lives that she feels what they feel. Her compassion for others is not just limited to movie characters, and she models this in her everyday life. My mum is a librarian and ESOL teacher, and she has dealt with some pretty difficult kids at times. Some of these kids 
have said and done some pretty horrible things, yet my mum constantly sought out opportunities to show them love. She once told me that when she comes across a difficult child, she asks God to show her what he sees in them, to show her what he loves about that child. She intentionally chooses to love difficult people because she knows it's what Jesus would have done. That's why you and I choose to love difficult people every day. It doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, where they've come from. We still choose to love them. Jesus loved everybody, always. He came to earth and declared he would turn God's enemies into his friends. But he didn't do that by condemning condemning people. Rather, he convinces us with love. Time and time again, we see Jesus extravagantly love people that by society standards didn't deserve his love. He loved the most difficult people to love and told us to do the same in John 13, verse 35. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus explains that we will be identified as his by the way we love people. His love is unconditional, and ours should be too. Reflecting Jesus is no easy task. It's something you are going to fail at again and again. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, God constantly shapes you to be more like Christ. You are called to be a living reflection of Christ, but it is up to you to seek him out. If you want to be a reflection of him, you need to do life with him. And to my wonderful mum that is sitting here today, I am so incredibly thankful for you. I am so thankful that I get to do life with you. You are one of the most amazing women of God, and you have taught me so many things. I am thankful that you have shown me what it means to serve, have compassion, and love others. I truly am blessed to be a reflection of you. I love you. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for every single lady in this room. Thank you for how they reflect Jesus every day. I pray that you would bless every person sitting here today and they would reflect your servant heart, compassion, and love. Amen. Awesome. Thanks. That was so good. Thank you for that. Um, So for those who don't know me, I'm Cecilia. And as the kids at school like to call me, Miss Wong. And funny that because I've come from a generation of teachers. So my granddad was a teacher, my dad a teacher, and my mum used to be an English teacher before we came here in New Zealand. And growing up with both parents as teachers, it was quite an experience, I tell you. There's one thing that my mum did really well. She absolutely mastered this. It was the teacher look. You know, the the kind that has the power to silence the whole classroom, wipe a smile off your face, look right through your soul. Yeah, that was my childhood. And in my childhood church, we used to sit on wooden pews. So not like these nice comfy seats that we get here at Elam, but the kind that the really hard wooden type, just to make sure you don't fall asleep in the middle of a sermon. 
And as a kid, I used to come in late, and I used to slide down these pews, pretending that I'd been here the whole time. But somehow, my mum would just know she'd be sitting in the middle somewhere, and she'd just have to tilt her head back a little bit. Oh, and that look, that teacher look. Mm. As a kid, honestly, I didn't know what was more scary, that God is always watching, or that mum is always watching. (laughs) But in the same church, I heard the story of how a mum would always make dumplings for her family. And I don't know about you, but I love eating dumplings. Um, And the family loved eating them. But she would take no shortcuts. She would make everything by hand. She'd roll the dough out, fill the dumplings, pleat every dumpling by hand, making around 50 to 100 at once. And when she was done cooking them, She'd put them on a plate, and everyone in the family would crowd together to eat them. Now, the son, being the really observant and caring one, noticed that his mum would always eat the broken ones. Hmm. Anyway, so one Mother's Day, he decided it was his turn to make his mum some dumplings. So he also took no shortcuts. He rolled the dough out, filled the dumplings, pleated every dumpling by hand, cook them, put them on a plate in front of his mum. And his mum, so proud that he had learnt how to make dumplings and took the time to make them for her. She picked up her chopsticks, ready to eat the first one. And then stopped, looked at them and said, Son, why are all of the dumplings broken? And the son said, Well, I noticed that you like to eat the broken dumplings, so I made a whole plate for you just for Mother's Day. (laughs) And a mum said, son, I make the dumplings for you because I know you love to eat the dumplings. But I eat the broken ones, so you don't have to. It's not because I like eating broken dumplings. (laughs) And in that moment, the son realised just how much his mum loved him. And when I heard that story, that's when I realized, hey, that's, that's how my mom loves me and my family. I just didn't recognize it. Now, immigrant kids would know, would be at the school gate, and would see other moms wrap their arms around their kids saying, love you, have a great day at school. And then hearing our own mom say, did you bring your lunch today? Hey, did you do your homework? Hey, it's, uh, it's cold outside today. Did you bring a jacket? I told you to bring a jacket. Mums just show their love in different ways. So instead of, I love you, I heard, sleep earlier. Wear a jacket, it's cold. Have you eaten yet? All meaning, I love you and I care for you. But here is the most important part of the revelation. That's how God loves us. Write this down if you're taking notes. God loves us, not in the ways we expect, but in the ways we need. God loves us, not in the ways we expect, but in the ways we need. Matthew seven eleven reminds us this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God knows what we need, yesterday, 
today, tomorrow. He's not there to keep an eternal scorecard of my lateness or our offences. And you know what? We may not even recognise God's love at first, but he gives us exactly what we need. Let me tell you a story to explain. So the perk of not having any kids and being an auntie is that I get to give the nephew back to the family at the end of a day. So we were on a family outing and we were at the wave pools and my nephew was about three years old then doing his thing, happy in the paddling pool. And then all of a sudden, he slipped. And I just watched in slow motion as I saw the moment of sheer terror on his little face. He went under. Now being the closest, I just scooped him back up. But you know what? The first thing out of his mouth, it wasn't Thank you, auntie, for rescuing me. Oh, no. He stood, glared at his mother right opposite him and said, you weren't there, meaning she wasn't the one who picked him back up. But his mum said, I was there. I knew auntie was there. And I was watching the whole time to make sure that you were okay. And that reminds me of sometimes this is how we treat God. God, where were you? Where were you when I was going through my toughest time? But the fact is that God was there. And he put other people with us. He was watching the whole time to make sure that we were okay. It says so in Psalms 139, 1-2. O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. Now, I don't know what you may be going through right now, but God sees you. He sees you. And sometimes God loves us, not in the ways we expect, but in the ways we need. And sometimes he loves us by putting people around us to make sure that we are okay. But you know, we don't always get that, do we? And when I was a kid and I didn't understand something my mum meant, she would say, oh, you'll understand when you start having kids. Hmm. Well, being a teacher now to about 80 prepubescent, really sweaty kids in my class, I'm starting to understand a little bit. And there's many things that I wish that Teachers College prepared me for. One, that being the amount of white hair I would start to grow when I started teaching. (laughs) But honestly, at the end of every single day, I would always have something to smile or laugh about. There was actually one time, uh, one of my students gave me a card, and it was a handmade card. It was beautiful, uh, beautifully handwritten, handmade, quite big, so I was quite pleased to receive it. And I opened it up, ready to read something about how amazing of a teacher I am. And in the middle, you couldn't miss it. Beautiful block letters. The Hulk. (laughs) I know. I know. The green monstrosity of a superhero whose famous lines are, don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. (laughs) Apparently, I'm the Hulk. But apparently... The student thinks the Hulk is cool, so I'll take that. 
but along with the laughs and the joy that I get from my students. There's been so many times when it really hurts when I see what the students have to go through. And that's one thing I wish that Teachers College prepared me for. There's been so many times when I wish that I could just take the pain away for them. But I also know that this feeling of love and protection towards my students, it's just a broken reflection of God's love for us. It actually reminds me of one of my favorite songs that we sang this morning, Reckless Love. And it hits me every time when it says, when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. God loves you. Not in the ways that you expect, but in the ways we need. And sometimes he shows his love to us, even when we least feel worthy of it even when we least expect it. This Mother's Day, it's a chance for us to thank and honour our mums and our mother figures. It's also a chance for us to reflect on God's love for us because we have a good God who loves us not in the ways we expect but in the ways we need. He sees you in your situation and he is right there with you. And the best part is that we don't have to earn our way up to him to experience that. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for reminding us of how powerful your love is and for loving us even when we felt worthless, even when we felt like we didn't deserve it. And will you help us in our everyday lives just to experience you a bit more and to experience your love in a very real way. We pray all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. so good. You ladies are awesome. Really, truly. Hi everyone. I wanted to share uh, three things about my mum this morning and I'm going to start by sharing a story. I'm going to take you all the way back to January, summer of 1986. Okay, if you are lucky enough to know the song Heaven by Brian Adams, Good song. Well, um, just imagine that's playing on the Auckland Airport sound system. So that's over playing. Um, now out of the air, aeroplane, onto the runway steps, this Magnum PI lookalike man, my dad, complete with tan and moustache. Next to him, his island queen, my mum, with her afro gently blowing in the wind. On the right of her is her island princess, my sister, seven-year-old Rebecca. And on her hip, the cutest, loudest baby that cried most of the way from Papua New Guinea all the way here to New Zealand. Me. Sorry, Mum. After spending nine years up in Salamo in the Mumbai province of PNG, it was time for my dad to bring his family home to his birthplace. Auckland, New Zealand. Life up in the islands was simple, hard work, yet satisfying. 
My mum was a home economics high school teacher and dad managed 50 staff for the local uh, Salama branch of um, Span Enterprises, which looked after uh, boat building and furniture building and building. So after nine years, they decided that it was time to come back to New Zealand for the betterment of my sister and I's education. And oftentimes when I say that to people over the years, when they ask, where are you from? What, when did you come? I do brush past that part a little bit too easily. So today I just did want to honour you, Mum and Dad, and actually everyone here who has left their home, their family, all that they know um, for the betterment of their family, um, their children's education. So church, why don't we give everyone here, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have done that today, a round of applause. It truly is an act of sacrifice and, yeah, an act of hope for your family. With no other family close by, my mum faced major culture shock, from learning how to dress for the changing seasons to figuring out what kind of food was available, new types of food to cook up for the family and how to cook them. Um, the cold weather was a really hard one for her to get used to, and um, yeah, that was <laughs> quite hard. On top of that, obviously, missing her family back home. To help with that shock, though, we were blessed with the best nana in the world, my nana, Rona McKenzie. She was amazing, and she welcomed us into Kiwi life with big open arms um, and just, just genuine inclusiveness, um, and she was awesome. I'm sure there are some awesome best nanas in the world here today, too. I know there are a few. I can see you. Eventually, Dad found a job. They bought a th little three-bedroom house in Glenfield, and Mum was a stay-at-home mum again. But to help with some of the bills, she chose to do some house cleaning on the side. This was also a way of her just putting a little bit aside every now and then to save for um, a hope of getting back home to see her family in the future. Home life for us was simple. We ate from the veggie garden that mum planted in the back and from all the fruit trees that she planted too. We wore hand-me-downs and gifts from neighbours and church friends. Our furniture was all hand-me-downs and given to us from kind neighbours. And, yeah, if we didn't have clothes that we wanted, Mum sewed them. <laughs> Even Tog... Oh, I've got so many stories. Anyway, thank you, Mum, for all the sewing that I never said thank you for. <laughs> thank you. She used what she had in front of her. She cleaned as many houses as she could... Sorry, yeah, she, but sometimes, some weeks, it still felt like she couldn't make that money stretch. It was tough. Sometimes frustration would get the best of my mum. But I do know that she continued to place her faith and hope in Jesus time and time again. Last week, I had the absolute pleasure of going on a dinner date with my sister. Um, Kid-free, so it was awesome, just the two of us opposite each other at this Italian restaurant down the road. We were howling away, we had the best time, and we were just reminiscing about life growing up. And when we got to the subject of money, we both kind of just agreed at the same time that we didn't realise that things were as tough as it was for mum and dad. We don't remember feeling a lack of anything. Mum and dad worked hard with what they had in front of them, served in the local church and supported 
even supported missions of work, um, the work of missions overseas and locally. And that was what they were about, and that was that. Even though, looking back now, I can see differences between our house and our neighbour's house and everyone else around. <laughs> um, but we never felt like mum and dad were trying to keep up with the Joneses. Funny fact is, our neighbours were actually called the Joneses. <laughs> and they did have it all. They had a pool, a rumpus room, filled to the brim with toys. Toys everywhere, toys ev absolutely everywhere. And a car with an electric window. <gasps> Windows, sorry. And uh, even a double waterbed. I mean, come on. But back then, I don't even recall thinking that was amazing. I was just stoked to have some friends to play with. Just as we both came to the same conclusion about um, our parents' financial pressures, my sister said to me, but sis, look how, at how God has continued to look after us. He's provided for our family. We would have never been able to afford all of our amazing family holidays away to Waihi and Hokianga. We had ministry and church friends who offered their batches to us year after year, holiday after holiday. I said, wow, wow. I instantly felt cared for. We looked back and God had provided all that we needed and more. Those special holiday memories are some of the happiest memories I hold in my heart. And it was so cool to be reminded of how God still provided for us in those times that we thought of as lacking. I've had this amazing song on repeat in my, in my ears, on my phone, in the car, in the house, anywhere I can, um, over and over again. Can't get enough of it. It's called Sparrows by Corey Asbury. I don't know if any of you have heard it, but I highly recommend go search for it. It's awesome. But it just makes me think about my life, and I look back and just see God certainly was and is taking care of me in my past and in my future. And the lyrics of the song are based off Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. And as much as I love that song, I love the verse more, so I'd love to share it with you today. If you want to turn with me, feel free to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25, 26, 27, and 33. These are the words of Jesus as he addressed a really large crowd on the side of a mountain. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Consider the birds. Don't you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides them, with each, them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Beautiful verses are so encouraging. I wonder if there is anything causing you to worry today. Are you feeling a lack of something or a need? Instead of worrying about it, will you choose to believe that God knows what you need today?
My parents didn't stay in a state of making ends meet. They enjoyed financial freedom as the years went on. But eight years ago, in one year, my nana passed away. My, dad, my dad's health diagnosis rocked our world and dad faced redundancy. In the words of my mum, God carried them through in the face of disease, death and financial pressures once again. As it so happens, after these extremely sad and seemingly hopeless times came, God continued to provide for them. They were able to sell their little house in Glenfield and with the help of Nana's inheritance, buy a beautiful home that continues to bless many, many people. And not that they seek after these things. I thought it was interesting to note that the home has a pool and a large rumpus that they've changed into a um, self-contained unit which they rent out and lots of toys for the grandkids. No waterbed though, so... <laughs> no. God can carry you through hard times into a future that is still full of hope. And yes, life has many challenges for mum, but I watch her continue to put her faith and hope in Jesus day after day, week after week, year after year, all the while being changed in the process. And that to me is the most wonderful treasure of all. The first thing I've learned from my mum in this story is be content in the little things. Trust God to provide while working with what you've got. God knows what we need and we can trust him. Second thing I've learnt, church and ministry friends are great friends to have around. My parents shared a passion for the kingdom with like-minded friends all over the world and locally. And they had some amazing people who supported them and us as a family and I'll always be grateful for them. We are better together. Third and most important thing I've learnt from mum Seek after God. Feeling imperfect? Seek after God. In a lack of anything? Sorry. It's not about your lack. Seek after God. If you are worried, seek after God. Continue to put your confidence in Jesus day by day and don't give up. Mum, thank you for your hope for your family, your sacrifice. Thank you for your bold prayers for me every day. Thank you for your courageous conversations with me. Thank you for continuing to put your hope in Jesus in the face of challenge. Your life has shown me how God can be trusted to take care of all the things. Thank you. Let's, let's pray. Dear God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your kindness, for your love for us that reaches far and wide. Thank you that you know what we need and we trust in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Max. Come on. Can we give all these incredible young leaders uh, a hand just for sharing such inspiring encouraging things. You know, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You know, you've never taken that, 
that personal step of placing your faith in him and your trust in him for your life and all that your life entails. You know, the Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's whoever. That's whoever me, that's whoever you, that's whoever. The problem is, is that, you know, we're all separated from God because of the decisions we make, the sin in our lives, going our own way. Romans 3 says that for all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short. I have, you have. And that keeps us separated from knowing God and experiencing His love and His joy and His plan for our lives. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus came. He came, lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died. He paid for our sin. He paid for those things that I have done that keep me separated from knowing God. The Bible also says in John chapter 1 that to all those, I love that, to all those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, when we, when we take that step and we receive Jesus into our lives, into our hearts, into our worlds, when we place our faith and trust in him, that what he did on the cross, he did for me. When we put our faith in him, that our sins too can be forgiven and that we too can step into a new life when we can experience God and know his plan for our lives, then everything changes. Is that you this morning? Are you needing to take that step of faith? Is this your moment to place your trust in God, invite him into your world, ask them, ask him to forgive your sins? If it is, I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I would love you to pray along with me, just where you're sitting and you see, just between you and God. But I'd love you to take that step of faith this morning. Can we all just close our eyes for a moment, bow our heads, let's do this. And if I'm speaking to you this morning, and come on, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Here we go. 